This is the S podcast. And we're gonna be talking about Tiafimo Lopez today. And his comeback and his debut at 140 pounds. Now I feel like when we walked away from this fight, it was kind of mixed feelings about it, honestly. From everybody else, not from me. I was very impressed with what I saw from Tiafimo, if I'm be honest. What I needed to see from Tiafimo, I did see. The questions I had about Tiafimo as far as like, is he going to go back to being the patient Tiafimo that I think that he was before that I don't think people really talk about? Was he going to pick his spots? Was he going to force the work? You know what I mean? Force a, a highlight reel stoppage? What what was going to be his demeanor in the ring? Now, I knew that the biggest question marks going into the fight was Pedro Campa. And the way people saw Pedro Campa would really determine what they thought of the performance from Tiafimo Lopez. Now, Tiafimo Lopez, in most people's minds probably, because they never seen Pedro Campa, or if they did see him, they fought, they saw him fight in like the Mexico telecast, probably didn't think much of this guy. They probably thought that Tiafimo should have ran through him. Tiafimo's just going to run through this guy. He's going to really outclass him. We're going to smoke him. So when you go in with that already, you're, which if you're expecting that, and if you don't get that right away, right, it's got, it's got a little slow buildup, then you're automatically going to leave with a negative perspective of the fight. Now, like I said, Pedro Campos was the, mystery, was the mystery going into the fight. You really weren't going to know who he was until, in my opinion, from what I was seeing, I wasn't going to know until he stepped in the ring and I seen him actually apply his game to a high-level fighter like Lopez. Now, I said it's hard to judge guys that only fight in Mexico. Mexican fighters only fight in Mexico and fight with that Mexican style, right? Like that forward pressure, high-activity, durable, hard-hitting fighters like that. It's kind of hard to see if you watch them fight other guys that fight a similar way, right, that are durable and a lot of action. It's kind of hard to see. Is he good or not? Because I don't know the other guy he's fighting, right? I'm not sure of the other guy. So they kind of just, a lot of times they're just like, I'm not sure what to make of these performances. And that's why the example I always use, Marisa Laura. Marisa Laura, when he wins Warrington, no one was calling Marisa Laura was going to win that fight. No one was saying, oh, Marisa Laura's going to knock this guy out. No one was saying that. Okay, if anyone's saying that, you tell you show me someone to say that, I'm going to show you a liar. Now, what I did say, and I have the podcast to say it, is I said he has a big left hook. I said, it's just going to depend really, if there's any chance on that, is if Warrington can just not hold up to that left hook. And I said, he's going to land the left hook because Warrington's going to give you that shot, right? Warrington's going to trade with you. He'll allow you to have a moment. And if that left hook means anything, that's where it could get interesting. That's all I said. Never called for an upset. I never heard anyone call for the upset on that. That's why it was such a massive upset, because no one was calling for it. Now, a guy like Kampa, like I said, you don't know what he is until he's in there. When he got in there, I like some of the stuff I saw. I'm going to be honest with you. I like some of the placement. I like where he chose to throw his punches. I liked some of the patience he had. But the, the constant forward pressure, the, he did, a, you know, like I said, always range pressure. I like the things I saw. Now, I don't think he's a high-level fighter by any means. I don't think he's going to be contending for titles at 140 pounds. No. But I don't believe that he was a bum, as some people are probably going to call him, right? Like, I think there's a lot of generalizations of what he is. And that's just because it's easy to generalize things. If you're not familiar with it, if you're not breaking it down, of course, then just put it in a box that you're already familiar with. This guy's a bum. He's a T-100 cab driver. He's going to go in there just to get smoked. That's what people want to put it in that box, right? They want to put it in that thing and... That way they don't have to overthink it. They're just not going to waste any time to really think about it. I'm not going to do that. That's not why. I, why do I have this podcast? I'm not going to do that. To I'm going to put some thought process into it. I thought Kampa did some good stuff. I wouldn't mind seeing him fight again, honestly. I just thought that Lopez, to start off the fight, you know, 
hasn't fought in a while. Last time we lost, uh, you know, last time we fought was a massive upset. He lost, and I thought he kind of had to work his way into it. Now I did like the things I saw from him. I did see the skill that I wanted to see from him. I did see the patience I wanted to see from him. But underrated patience, uh, uh, underrated patience he had before uh, the Cambozos fight. Now in the first round, he I thought he did get a little greedy at times. Right, he was looking for some big shots. As he settled in more in the fight, it was more and more patience, and he was picking his spots. Being defensively aware. Now, he got hit a few times when he tried to do the shoulder roll, got stuck against the ropes. Yes, I, I, I will admit that there, there was a few things there where I thought he's kind of just putting himself in a position where you know he's not going to be able to punch off of it, right? And Kampa didn't, like, overstep it, the um, his range. He kind of stepped at a, at a, at a good range where he can, rea- he can attack, and Lopez would have to kind of reach for the counter. Like, the counter wasn't just exactly, like, on the inside. Like, usually when Floyd does a shoulder roll, he usually uses it when a guy's going to crowd him. A lot of guys will crowd Floyd. That's their strategy. I'm going to crowd him, and I'm going to get to work, right? And make Floyd have to respond to a bunch of punches at close range. But Campo didn't really crowd Lopez. He kind of just stepped in on him, still allowed some distance, and worked off of that. Now, Lopez was in a position where he's doing the shoulder roll, which is kind of stuck there looking at at Kampa, and he's just going to have to rely on his defense to get out of there, right? And it's, there's no punch to respond because of the distance. So there were some things like that that I think, you know, it was a lot. It was kind of like what Kampa was doing, and Lopez got stuck in it. He's probably not going to want to do that against a guy like Jose Ramirez, right, or something like that, or uh, Josh Taylor. Th- that might be trouble for him. You can't be put in a position where it's just defensive, and you're just relying on your movement and your hands being the your guard being the precise spot, and the guy knows that nothing's coming back. You don't want to be in that spot. Now, as the fight went on, and Lopez chose the spots and started digging to the body and started placing his shots perfectly, and I thought really showed the talent and skill that he had before, right? The talent and skill that everybody was excited about before, and just the, the physical gifts that he has. The physical gifts he has that. You know, I had people thinking he was going to be some an all-time great, a special fighter. They were there. And you can't see that to me. What's up? You can't see those things and be like, oh, no, he's not going to be a contender at 140 pounds. Or he can't be any of the top guys at 140 pounds. I, I just can't see that. The skill level is too much. It's the natural ability is too much. The balance, the timing. And even like the power, you know, people I've heard people say kind of like, oh, he doesn't have the same power at 140 pounds. Well, you don't really know what Kampa could take. Now, I'll give you, there's the Kampa's only loss. He was knocked out cold. Look at the left hook that was landed on him when he got knocked out cold. And tell me that not everyone in the 140 pounds would be knocked out cold if the guy hit with that left hook. Look at the punch that knocked him out. Okay. I think Kampa's a very durable guy. And I think that the fact that Tifimo eventually broke him down and got him out of there. Is a is a credit to Lopez. It's a credit to his power, the credit to his timing, and the credit to his speed. I like what I saw from Lopez. I want to see more from him. It looks like Barbosa's next. That's an excellent fight, excellent matchup. Makes a lot of sense. It's not like putting him in there with the top top, but at 140 pounds, it's so much depth that you know basically every fight's going to be a tough fight. Like I said, I just like what I like what I saw and the patience wasn't forcing it. And it looks like he, we got another guy that's going to is there to contend in a, a stacked 140 pound division. Now, I would like to see Kampa fight again. If, you know, get him an interesting match at 140, like, the you know, like that mid level. I, I think that 
he could have some good action fights. I think that he's a little bit more talented. And I thought he was even improved from like the big mistakes that he made before. As far as like being over his front leg, getting off balance his upper body. I thought he was way more uh, compact, way more balanced. And he just improved as a fighter. I think he could be in some very good, interesting action fights. And I would, you know, if I'm top rank, I would probably be like, this is, let's see, you know, let's see what kind of fights we could put him in that would be entertaining on an undercard. I want to see Lopez versus Barbosa. I want to see Lopez versus Cepeda. I want to see him versus Ramirez. And if David Haney, once he finished at 135, I'd love to see him fight uh, Tiafimo. I think Tiafimo is still a force. I think that, I don't know, the negativity is only because you went in there to me with a already a thought of what this fight should look like. And if it wasn't going to be that, to exactly what you wanted it, when you walked into the fight, then it was a disappointment automatically. It happens. It happens. Maybe sometimes you do it to a fighter that you're not really a fan of. And I understand people not a fan of Tifimo with his interviews. You know, the interviews all over the place. I'm going to give you that. He has sometimes he talks like if he just completely zero self-awareness and just no honestly no like standing of what's really happening and just lost and no understanding of reality. That's what it really feels like. Like he asked. Why does Jake Paul get the the big room at the Madison Square Garden and I have the small room? Like, I don't feel like that needs to be answered. I feel like you should have it. He should have an understanding of why that is. Now, maybe he does. And he's just saying as far as like people should respect him more because he's the talented fighter and Jake Paul's a YouTuber. I get it. But it was the deal in the real world that, you know, someone that builds the fans and has a following like that is going to get opportunities like that. And just because you feel like you're some talented fighter that has all these skills and is a, a way better fighter than Jake Paul. And I agree with you. Of course, everybody, no one's going to argue that. That doesn't mean that everything's just going to be given to you, though, right? That everybody's going to flock to you. No, they're going to want to see consistency. They're going to want to see, you know, charm, honestly, and char- charisma. They're going to want to see those things. Nothing's going to be given to you. And in his mind, he has that everything was taken away from him unfairly, unjustly. And that's that we know that's not the case. But to me, I'll put that all aside. As long as he looks at the way he looks in the ring, I think you're going to see a lot of success for Tiafimo. Now, he's got to avoid a lot of the pitfalls on the outside that, you know, I'm sure worries a lot of people when they just follow his career and follow over the things he says. But as far as the inside the ring this weekend, it was back to the Tiafimo Lopez that was dominating 135. And I think that I know we try to, we basically got rid of the whole talk of the new four kings, but I think it's going to have to come back in some way. And maybe just four princes now, okay? We'll take it. We'll settle with what we were saying before four princes. Ryan Garcia, Tifima Lopez, Tank Davis, and Devin Haney have natural talents and gifts that you, you can't, first of all, you can't teach. But they're also putting together with better technique, especially like Ryan Garcia's technique, which is a lot better. He was just doing things that were a lot better. Lopez has always been pretty good tactical, you know, um, technically. Haney, of course, great technically. Tank Davis, good technically. Has a little, you know, like they all have like little holes and flaws like you could put in their game. But it's just these gifts, like when they fight, they just are already superior to the guy they're matched up with because they don't, they can't match. The, the, there's, I can see why they're special. I could point out, like I can see, like look at the speed, look at the power, look at the reaction, look at the balance. All those things, I can see why they're special. And when they go in the ring, like Tifima Lopez, right? He goes in there with Jose uh, Jose Ramirez. He has physical gifts that Jose Ramirez just doesn't have. He's not going to have 
anywhere in his fight game. Like, he's just not going to have the physical gifts Tifima Lopez has. And I know that we're down on Lopez, and we've seen him lose already, so he lost that invincibility part that he had. But it, to me, it's hard to say that Jose Ramirez is going to go in there and just be one-sided against Tifima Lopez. When Tifima Lopez has all these natural gifts, right? Speed, power, reaction. He has all these natural gifts. I just, I can't see it just being a one-sided fight. Now, I'm not saying that uh, Ramirez can't win that fight or be the favorite in that fight. I'm just saying that you just, with those skills, that just that, with the skills and gifts alone, it's just not going to allow for a wide enough gap to where he just gets run through. It's just not going to happen. And it, it's going to be a lot of mental things. Like I said, he's going to have to come in with the right game plan, and they can't get arrogant. I think they got arrogant before the Cambosos fight. They can't get arrogant again. And that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. You take that, the, the mental part is an important part of the boxing game. But I think they got very arrogant when they came to the Cambosos fight. And that's why he suffered that loss. And hopefully the lesson was learned, and they don't have to learn it again. On the undercard, and it was a good undercard, honestly. And there was a bunch of you know guys that were building up, but the B-siders were talented. They were very talented. But he had Xander Zayas versus uh, Espadas. And Zayas went in there to, looking to get the to get the stoppage. He went in there looking to make a point. And we've been seeing this a lot lately. If you look at Virgil Ortiz, you look at Boots Ennis, you look at guys like uh, Tank Davis. They're, they're really forcing their game on people. They want to make impressive performances. They want to get guys out of there. They want to steal the show. And Zayas, that's what he went in there to do. He wasn't playing around. And we got to make sure that you're not, um, you know, if they're getting caught and stuff like that, it's because really because they're forcing their game so much on someone that they're like, I may get caught, but I'm just so much better than this guy, technical, talent-wise, that I know that if we just keep exchanging, right, even if it's like 50-50 spots, it's never really 50-50 because my skill and talent is just so far superior to him that even when we're going 50-50, it's still 70-30. That makes sense. That's that anchorman math right there. 100% of the time, you know, 6% of the time, it works all the time type thing. That's what that is. But that's really, you know, that's what these guys are doing. If you see Virgil Ortiz, he has no respect for anyone because he feels like if even if I put myself in a 50-50 spot, my skill and talent is so far superior to you that I'm always going to come out on top in that. That's what Zayas did this time. Zayas came in there and he made a point because he feels that he was superior to this guy and he wants to... And like I said, he missed the opportunity last time, Puerto Rican Day Parade. He was here to prove a point. He was here to try to steal the show. And I thought he was a it was a very good performance. And uh, you got we got to be careful. We're going to try to knock points off, guys. Because it's funny because everybody says, oh, go in there and get the highlight reel and impress people and all that. And then when these guys do it, right, these guys do it. They go and impress you and they go in for the kill and they go for the finish. We'll be like, oh, we get hit too much. Oh, we can't be getting hit like that with the guy like that. It's like, what do you want then? And he could go fight technically, and this guy wouldn't touch him. He fight technical, fight, box him, keep him at range. The guy wouldn't touch him for 12 rounds. But he's going in there, and he's not playing with his food. I think Zayas looked damn good. And I've never really been like where I saw him, and I was like, oh, wow. But this one I was. I was like, that's just, he's just superior to the guy he's fighting. Technically and gifts-wise. He's just superior to him. I did want to talk about the 140-pound uh, division and got Josh Taylor at top. And I want to talk about it because, of course, TFM just fought in it. A lot of rumors that Ryan Garcia is 140 pounds now. I'm not sure if uh, 
Ryan Garcia doesn't play by like really the rules of like how we want to foot him in boxing. It's funny. Like he says he's 140 pounds. In my mind, that doesn't mean he's 140 pounds. That just means that he's going to fight guys that are, that are at 135 pounds, but at 140. I really think that that's what he means. I think he means that he'll fight Jojo Diaz at 140 pounds. He'll fight William Cepeda at 140 pounds. But I don't really see him just right now, right? Especially what Golden Boy has. I don't really see him fighting a guy like Progress or Josh Taylor, Barbosa, um, Garrett, uh, Antoine Russell. I don't. I don't see him fighting those guys right now. I don't think that. I don't see him in that division. But. 140 pounds with Tiafima Lopez going into it. And I know that people think that Josh Taylor is done with 140 pounds and will soon be at 147. We don't know that for sure. I still think he's the best guy at 140, 140 pounds. I remember posting that I was buying Tiafima's stock when he moved to 140. But I said the only guy that I would not, I can't have him over right now, 140 pounds, would be Josh Taylor. Now, I think Josh Taylor, the people are trying to diminish him. I think they're trying to say that he's done, especially because of Caterall performance, and a lot of times that's because, you know, he was on top, but they just, a lot of times you just can't, you can't just wrap around your, you can't wrap your mind around why is a guy good. You just can't. You, it's just something where you're like, you're not seeing, you know what I mean? Like, he just like, just never looks that level to you, and that's kind of like what I see with Josh Taylor. A lot of people don't think he's at that level. A lot of people think that if he went to 147, He'd be food for all like the top guys. I don't see that. I think he's a very skilled fighter. I think that he'd be trouble for anyone at 147. I think he's trouble for anyone at 140. And it seems like the people think like, oh, at 140, he's almost out too because he can't make the weight. So he's almost like diminished off of just one performance where it was a little shaky, right? And I, I, honestly, I think the, the Caterall fight was, you could say Caterall won. I'm fine with that. I thought it was a close fight. I have no problem with Josh Taylor winning that fight. Now, people might think that's outrageous, whatever. I think people were just surprised how good Caterall was in that fight, right? It was doing in that fight that just kind of made you lean the rounds. I'll rescore at one point and, you know, talk about that fight and give my rescore what, what we did with it. But I still think Josh Taylor's the man at 140. I still don't see a man that I favor over him at 140. And I think that it'll take a guy like Tiafimo Lopez, honestly, with those special skills. Uh, Antoine Russell, too, is another guy. I just think that he has to tighten up a few things. Like, there's a few major holes in his game that I think a guy like Josh Taylor will put him to sleep. But it's funny that this division, which has so much depth, I think the one guy that's elite in it, and we're going to see what Tiafimo keeps going on in the division, but the one guy that's, to me, elite in it is the one that's getting like really um, underrated now, right? He's just getting diminished as far as the opinion of him, and now he's you know, there's probably a lot of guys that people would pick over him if they fought. It's interesting. It's interesting. It's just really perspective. It's perspective on the weight division and Josh Taylor and 147. And, you know, sometimes it's just a, a guy. Just, he's just not a fan favorite or, you know, just doesn't have the look that, like, you see and you don't see dominance or you don't see, like, oh, this guy's going to beat everyone. He just don't. He just doesn't have that. I guess Josh Taylor just doesn't have that. But if you're talking about the fight of his progress, which I thought he clearly won, but maybe that's people feel that's debatable. And then the performance against Jose Ramirez, I just, to me, I, I, I can't knock all that out just because of a shaky Caterall fight. I can't. Thank you guys for listening. Please uh, follow, subscribe, all those good things. I'm on Spotify, Apple, if you need to hear just the... Um, just the vocals part of this. I don't know why I can't talk right now. Uh, YouTube and follow me on Twitter and TikTok.
as Raw Boxing on Twitter and TikTok. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.